This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. Isaiah 54 is where we're going to start. If you would turn over there, Isaiah 54, verses 2 through 4. And the heartbeat of what God is wanting to get over this morning is do not settle. Do not settle. Isaiah 54 verse 2. It says, enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. That goes right along with what Jason was singing. You will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. Now, this is talking to the... To God's people at this time. And in verse 1 he t- tells them to begin to sing. Because there have been areas of their life that they've been barren. So he begins to encourage them. Sing even though you haven't seen anything. That God is working on your behalf. And in today's age. If you will stop long enough. Because we can get so busy doing and going. And being here and doing that. That we don't position ourselves. To truly hear what the spirit is saying to the church. The Bible says those who have ears to hear. Let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And the Spirit is saying, do not settle. In verse 2, he's saying, enlarge the place of your tent. In other words, at this time, um, the covenant of God, God's people were, were a small nation. And he was saying, I'm fixing to take what I'm doing in this small amount of people. And I'm fixing to take it to the world. And this is what I want you to do. He says, I want you to enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. In other words, he's saying, I'm wanting you to expand your thinking. I'm wanting you to expand your attitude. I'm wanting you to enlarge your vision. What happens when you pull back a curtain, uh, the curtain of a tent, you're able to see further. You're able, you're able to see more. God was saying, I want you to start preparing for what I'm doing in your life. This is a time of visitation, manifestation, and demonstration, divine inspiration, open doors for the body of Christ. This is our time. Yes, the world might be getting darker, but the Bible says the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter. So what is God saying to you and what is God saying to us in your business, in your family, in your calling, in your destiny, in what God has created you to do? He's saying enlarge. In other words, don't settle. Don't settle for the way that your marriage is right now. Don't settle for the way your business is right now. Don't settle for where you're at with your gifts and your talents and your abilities. Don't settle. There's more that God has for you to walk in than what you're experiencing right now. But a lot of times we can just get going through the motions. We wake up at the same time every day. We go to the same job. We do the same things. We come home, watch the same shows. We go to bed at the same time. And it's just over and over and over. And our life is like we're on autopilot. We're going here, we're just settling with this is what mom, dad, this is what dad did, this is what grandma and grandpa did, this is just what Tom, Dick, and Harry did, this is just what I do. The same thing over and over and over again, and God is saying, I want you to arrest yourself and take yourself off of autopilot, and I want to encourage you to enlarge the way you think. I want you to enlarge your attitude, I want you to enlarge your vision, vision, Proverbs 29 verse 18 
It says, where there is no vision, people perish. Do you know the vision that God has for your life? Do you know where you're going? Do you know why you're here? Do you know why you're gifted the way you're gifted and wired the way that you're wired? Do you know your your strengths? Do you know your passions? Do you know your desires? God is saying, do not settle. Enlarge. I want to read it again. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. In one translation it says, do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will expand to the right and to the left. Your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. In other words, as you begin to expand your vision and lift your attitude and develop your gifts and develop your strengths, he says you're going to grow past the point of the shame that you might have walked in at one point in time because there's shame and barrenness. He's talking to the nation. He says there's shame and barrenness. But if you'll begin to sing, if you'll begin to enlarge, if you'll begin to believe me for more, to ask me for more, to stay the course, have a destiny mindset instead of a a need mindset. A lot of times we can come into church and our focus is just on getting my needs met. I want my need of comfort met. I want my need of peace met. I want my need of joy met. I, I need my lights the paid. I need my food paid. I need, I need, I need, like John was saying, and God is not moved by need. If God was moved by need, there would not be one homeless or one hungry person in this world. God is moved by faith. But a lot of times in church, we have a need mindset instead of a destiny mindset. And God is wanting us to have a destiny mindset. I do what I do because it's what I'm created to do. I do what I do because God always has other people on his mind. You're wired the way you're wired because God has other people on his mind. You're gifted while you're gifted because God has other people on his mind. That desire, that passion, that vision on the inside of you is to reach other people. God has placed a gift in you and his grace on you to work through you to to touch those around you. So he's saying, get your eyes off of yourself and have a destiny mindset how's your thinking do you do what you do just to meet your need or do you do what you do because it's your destiny have a completion mindset Jesus said I've glorified you on the earth John chapter 17 verse 4 and I have completed the work That you have given me to do. See we have a lot of professional starters in the body of Christ. Where we start this and we start that. And we start this relationship. And we start this business. And we start this over here. And we start that. But faith never increases by starting. Faith increases by completing. Jesus is not the author. Just the author of our faith. He's the author and the finisher. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 the author and finisher of our faith. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He has finishing on his mind. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, Paul says, I have run my course, I have finished my race. Are you going to be able to stand before God knowing that you left every gift, every dream, every passion, every desire, every design, every business, every book, every creative ideal on this earth because God placed it in you for earth. He didn't place it in you for heaven. 
And he wants you to leave what he has placed in you here because he has other people on his mind. You have what it takes. You have something that somebody else needs. Are you letting it out? Go with me to Luke chapter 10. Enlarge. Don't settle. Say don't settle. Luke chapter 10. It's time for us to have a destiny mindset that God has other people on his mind. Luke chapter 10. I'm just going to start in verse 25. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? He's asking, Well, what's your take on it? What's your perception? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly, do this and you will live. Verse 29, but he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, well, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And I want you to picture this for a moment in the Amplified. It says, Jesus, taking him up, replied, A certain man was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he fell among robbers. What is the devil's job? Steal, kill, and destroy. Each and every day, he gets up with this on his mind. How can I steal, how can I kill, and how can I destroy? What is Jesus' job? Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, For this reason the Son of God was manifest to destroy, to loosen, to undo the works of the devil. So this person, let's get our mind off of ourselves. We're, we're enlarging our vision, right? We're, we're expanding. Why did God gift you the way you're gifted? Why did he wire you the way you're wired? Why does that desire and that passion in you? Because Proverbs 19, verse 21, it says, The purpose of God is what remains forever. It's not your purpose that you've come up with yourself. It's God's purpose. Even if you never walk in it, God's purpose is still remaining on the inside of you. And whenever you get quiet, his purpose will be pushing at the real you, saying there's more in you, saying enlarge your vision, saying don't settle, saying don't hold back, don't spare, don't let, don't let your marriage be average, don't let your business be average, don't let your gift and talent be average. God is not an average God. Come on, don't settle, enlarge, come on, keep going. And he says right here, this man had fallen among the robbers who stripped him of his clothes and belongings and beat him and went their way unconcernedly, leaving him half dead as it happened. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite when he arrived at the place came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came there, came where he was and when he saw him he had compassion. Verse 34, and went to him and dressed his wounds. Notice this, and he went to him and dressed his wounds. Pouring on them oil and wine. Then he set him on his beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I myself will repay it whenever I return. And he says, Which of these three do you think proved himself to be a neighbor to him who fell among the robbers? And Jesus told him, Now you go and do likewise. Now notice how this guy, this person used what he had to mend that person's wounds. You have the oil, which is the anointing. You have the wine, the revelation of who God is to reach the people in your sphere of influence to 
mend their wound. Yes, it's Jesus who's the healer of the brokenhearted, but he's going to heal the brokenhearted through you. Jesus was the one who was sent to set the captives free, but he's going to set the captives free through you, by you laying hands on the sick and them recovering, by you declaring the word, by you praying, by you standing in the gap, by you showing compassion, by you showing mercy. Sometimes people don't know what grace looks like until they see it through you. They don't know what love looks like until they see it through you. They don't know what determination and grit and passion and the desire looks like until they see it in you. A destiny mindset has the good Samaritan mindset that, you know what, I've got what it takes. Even if all you know how to do is smile, you've got what it takes. If all you know how to do is just speak positive words, you've got what it takes. All you don't know how to do is to be on time and to be diligent and be persistent, you've got what it takes. Say, I have what it takes. You have what it takes to be a difference maker in your sphere of influence. No matter where it is or what it is, you have what it takes. Now notice how generous God is with his seed. In Mark chapter 4, remember the parable of the sower? And it says this is a parable of the sower, that the sower sows the word, and, and he sows the word, and it falls along the path, and it says immediately the birds come down, and the devil takes the word. That's representative. The devil takes the word immediately from those who hear it. And then there's another, another group of ground there, and he says he throws the seed, and it falls on this soil that has very little depth, and it's exciting, and it's happy, and it receives the word. But all of a sudden, heat comes, which represents persecution and trials and problems. And it says the people get offended because they don't have any root in them. And they're scorched and they, they, they walk away. And it says also the sower throws the seed and it goes amongst thorns and thistles. But the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, enter in and it chokes the word of God and it suffocates the word of God. And the word never produces because they're worried about this and they're going here and they're doing this and they're concerned and they're after the mighty dollar and they're, they're doing all this type of stuff. So it chokes it. He says, but there's also the ground that's good ground. And it produces 30, 60, 100 fold Notice how generous God was with his seed. Notice that he wanted everybody to have an opportunity for the word to take root in their life. God is not going around thinking, well, I think I want to plant a seed here. Nope, I'm not going to plant a seed there. I'm going to plant a seed here. I'm not going to plant a seed here. No, uh, uh, no, 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 uh, uh, oh, maybe, oh, yep. No, what is it? He's generous with the seed. And he wants you to be generous with the seed. Why? Because the seed is the carrier of the DNA of God. The seed is the word of God. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the seed, for the seed is the power of God unto salvation. See, it's only God who can look into a murderer and see the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament. It's only God who can look into a killer, Moses, and see the deliverer of his people from Egypt. It's only God who can look inside of you and see somebody washed in the blood and see you free and see you whole and see you complete and see you finishing your destiny. Only God can do things like that. How does he do it? Through his word, through his seed. And he wants you to be a seed sower. He's wanting you to enlarge your vision that you're gifted and you're wired and you're designed and you're graced to be a seed sower, to reach people who nobody else can reach. But you can reach them because you're you and God has placed you in their life. See, it's time for us to make a decision to lift our game. It's time for us to make a decision today that I'm going to grow. I'm going to enlarge my vision. What do I have in my hand that I can lift up to God and God can show me how to develop it? God can show me how to expand it. God can show me how to pull back my curtains and lengthen my cords because that's what's going to hold me. My character's going to hold me. My attitude's going to hold me. My, my vision is going to hold me. And the stakes, I'm going to keep driving them in the ground. I'm going to keep getting rooted in the, in the family of God, in the house of God, in the world. 
Word of God, and it's going to hold me. No matter what storm comes my way, I'm going to be like that palm tree. When the, when the wind's blowing, when it stops, I'm going to be standing right up. That's who you are. But you've got to make a decision that I'm going to be generous with what I got. I'm going to be generous with what I know about my God. I'm going to be generous. I'm not going to settle. I'm going to enlarge. I'm going to expand. See, a tree can't make the decision to lift its game. Yeah, it can grow just through the process of life because it's, it stays planted and it grows. Just like you're going to get old through the process of life, but that doesn't mean you're getting wiser. I know a lot of old, dumb people. Right? I don't want to just be old and dumb. I want to, I want to be old and wise. A dog can't make a decision to lift its game. A fish can't make a decision to lift its game. But you, me, we can make a decision to lift our game. We can make the decision to lift our game. But it's very important that we begin to eliminate excuses in our life. You know the definition of an excuse, you look in the Webster's Dictionary, excuse is an invalid reason for neglecting your duty. In other words, there's no good reason, no, listen, no good reason for you not being the best you you can be. There's no good reason for us not developing every gift and talent and desire and dream. There's no good reason, no, no, eh, eh, well, I don't have this, eh, not a good reason, well, I'm not tall enough, eh, that's not a good reason, I don't have enough hair, eh, that's not a good reason. Excuse, everybody has them like elbows and hind ends, right? An invalid reason for neglecting knowing God and being you. Please let the champion, let the winner, let the entrepreneur, let the author, let the president, let the CEO, let the leader that's on the inside of you, please let it out. Let the woman of God, the man of God, the leader of God, please let it out. Why? Because God has other people on his mind. He didn't give you what he's given you for you and you're for and no more. He gave it so you could be generous to the world. But you've got to make a decision. I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to hold back. I don't care what I go through. I don't care what I face. I don't care who says this and does this. I will stay focused. I'm a finisher. No devil in hell, no obstacle, no person can stop me from my destiny. The only one who can stop me is me. I'm going to stay focused. I'm a finisher. Say that with me. I'm going to stay focused. I'm a finisher. That's who we are. Go with me to Luke chapter 14. So I'm glad I came today. Luke chapter 14, say no excuses. Verse 15, Luke chapter 14, verse 15. Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. Now notice, this is God. He's prepared a supper and he invited many. Verse 17, And sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. See, what God has for you is ready each and every day. Every time you open the word of God, God has a table prepared for you and he says it's ready. Every time, see, the, the word of God is the seed of God. It's the life of God. It's God's thought. It's his intent. It's his motive. It's his heart. This is God's will and God's plan for our life. And he says every day it's ready. 
God stays on ready. He's not going to get ready. He's ready. Faith is always ready. It's always right now. Now faith is. God is ready to deliver. God is ready to heal. God is ready to promote. God is ready to open a door. God is ready to protect. God is ready. God is ready. God is ready to do great things in our life. God is ready. And he says, now go and tell the world that God is ready to set them free. Go and tell your friends God is ready to lift that oppression and depression and to set them free. God is ready. Say, God is ready. Verse, verse 18, but they with, all, uh, with one accord begin to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Now, is buying a piece of ground a bad thing? No, God wants us to be landowners. God, He says, well, we inherit the earth, right? But whenever we put it before God, that's when it's not a good thing. He goes on, verse 19, Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Another said, I've just married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, Go out quickly into the streets, the lanes, the cities, and bring in the poor, the maimed, the blind, and the lame and the servant said, Master, it is done as you have commanded, and still there is room. Verse 23, Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be full. God wants his house full. Now, buying land, is there's nothing wrong with it. Buying an ox or a horse or a piece of equipment, nothing wrong with it. Getting married, nothing wrong. All those are good things, right? The only way that that becomes not a good thing, whenever it gets before God. Going fishing, not a bad thing. Sleeping in, not a bad thing. Taking a rest, not a bad thing. But when it becomes before God, that's whenever it is a bad thing. Notice what he says in verse 24. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. An excuse cost them their destiny. How serious is this? How serious are excuses? Now let's think in our life, what excuses are holding me back? From being everything that God has called and created me to be. What excuse is holding you back from being promoted in your business? What excuse is holding you back from starting that thing that God has placed in your heart? What excuse is holding you back from knowing God and being the best you you can be? Acts 17. Say, I'm not settling. Thank you. I'm so glad my wife came. How about the rest of you? I'm not settling. Okay, there's five of you. One more time. I'm not settling. Oh, yes, there we are. Acts 17, verse 26. It's time for us to eliminate excuses. Verse 26, because this is one of the excuses you hear a lot of times. Well, I was born in the wrong decade. I was born in the wrong family. I, I was born at the wrong time. I'm a century too late, or I'm a century too early. Or Let's look at this. Acts 17, verse 26. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined... They're pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling. In the Amplified, it says, 
having definitely determined their allotted periods of time and fixed their boundaries of their habitation, their settlements, their land, their abodes, verse 27, so that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel after Him and find Him, although He is not far from each one of us. In one translation it says, He sets the places where they should live and where they should be. So we need to settle it. You're not too late. You're not too early. You're right on time. God has chosen you to live in this day and age because you have what it takes to make a difference in your job. You have what it takes to make a difference in your family. You have what it takes to make a difference in your community. Settle it. I have what it takes. I'm right on time. I'm in the right town. I'm in the right place. I'm in the right church. I'm in the right family. You didn't have a choice. I didn't call to heaven and get a flight plan. And say, hey, Lord, April 9th, 1975, how about I become a Johnson? Let's just pencil it right on in there. See, I didn't have that choice of what family I was born into. I didn't have a choice uh, of the, the, the eyes, that I, the eye color I have, and the hair that I had at one point in time, and the Noah hair. Now, that, I didn't have that choice. Right? You didn't have that choice. But now you do have the choice of what family you live in, and it's called the family of Almighty God. And you do have the choice that I'm going to settle it. I was born at the right time, the right place. I'm in the right family. I don't care if my family has been abusive. I don't care if I got here because of rape, because of whatever the case is. I'm, I'm here. That's the point. I didn't surprise God. You didn't surprise God. Psalms 139, it says he saw you in your unformed substance. He saw you before you ever showed up. He took his time like he was embroidering something delicately. Every design, every purpose, your curves, your eyes, your ears, you have a purpose. You being on this earth lets you know God has a plan, God has a purpose. And if God is the one that placed me here at this time, he wired me the way I'm wired, gifted me the way I'm gifted, created me the way I'm created, then he must have a plan and if he has a plan then doesn't he have the right to ask me to lift my game oh god preacher i'm in church leave me alone because that's our attitudes a lot of time i just want to come through church on the way to lunch so i can make myself feel better i'm challenged all week long so please don't challenge me just let me sit here and glaze over, and I'll act like I'm hearing, and I'll nod. Yeah, preacher, that's good. But see, this is designed by God. The house of God is designed by God to challenge us. I don't want to be sitting somewhere where I'm not challenged. Because in order to live at a higher level, I have to eat on a higher level. I have to think on a higher level. I have to believe on a higher level. So when you come into the house of God, God designed the house of God to charge you up, to edify you, to mature you, to grow you, to eliminate excuses, to help your vision hone in, to help you develop your gifts and talents and your passions so you can go out and make a difference in this world. What is God saying to us, church? Don't settle. What is he saying? Enlarge your vision. He's saying lift your game. Expand your attitude. Expand your, your words. Expand your territory. Because he's wanting to expand you. But you've got to expand in here before you expand out here. He's saying eliminate excuses. Because excuses will cost you your destiny. Settle it. I'm at the right place. I'm at the right time. Yeah, you might have got here through tough circumstances, but the thing is, you're here. And you've got to settle it who is in you and who is for you and who is on your side. 
And if God is in you and God is for you, then no weapon formed against you will prosper. Nobody can stop you but you from being who God has called and created you to be. But you've got to make the decision to lift your game. You've got to make the decision to lift your thinking. You've got to make a decision to develop your attitude. You've got to make a decision, I'm going to go after God with all my heart. See, decision comes from the same, it's a medical term like incision. Incision and decision means like there's a, there's a tearing away. There's a pulling apart. First, First Corinthians chapter 13. Look at that with me. So I'm not settling. I don't care what I've gone through. I'm not settling. Now notice right here in First Corinthians chapter 13 verse 11. It says, when I was a child... I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put childish things behind me. I want to read it again. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought like a child, but when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. He says that some point in time in my life, I had to make the decision that I'm no longer going to think like a child, speak like a child, and act like a child. He says, I made a decision. I made a tearing away. I made a pulling apart, like an incision. Like, I'm going to allow God to go in there and cut away some things in my life. I'm no longer, because if I don't want to act like a child, I've got to quit thinking like a child. Because a lot of times we want to deal with the actions, but you can't have long time change in your actions if you don't have change in your thinking. No thinking change, no life change. I don't care how strong your will is or how, how many times you do all this stuff out here. If you don't change your thinking, you'll never change your actions. So Paul says, I've got to quit thinking like a child, so I'll quit speaking like a child, and I'll quit acting like a child. What does this look like? A child is externally motivated. Think with me. Make your bed. Mom and dad, brush your teeth. Please change your underwear. Wash behind your ears. Externally motivated. But somebody who's mature, you've got you've to move from being externally motivated, go to church. Give. Serve. Externally motivated to internally driven. See, somebody who's mature, they're internally driven. If a child goes off to college and they don't have mom and dad and they've, they've grown up their whole life externally motivated. And that's removed from them. They'll fall right on their face until they make the decision, I'm going to be the best me I can be. I'm going to go where I'm supposed to go, do what I'm supposed to do, because I'm internally driven. Church, it's time for us to be internally driven. Why do I come to church? Because I love God and I love people. Why do I give? Because I love God and I love people. Why am I developing my gifts, my talent, my passion? Because I love God and I love people. And I'm going to be all that I can be for the glory of God. It comes a time in our life... We've got to change to be internally driven. Because a child thinks like a child, speaks like a child, acts like a child. What does this look like in church? Well, I'm going to give as long as pastor teaches what I like. What does this look like? She didn't smile at me today. I'm not going back. I've been in this. I've seen some just ridiculous things. What does this look like? The music was too loud. Why are you here? Because you love God and you love people. Why are we doing what we're doing, church? Why are you doing what you're doing? Because a lot of times we just kick our life on autopilot. Once again, need mindset. I'm just going to get my needs met. 
Instead of, I'm doing what I'm doing because it's why I'm on this planet to do. I have a destiny mindset that I love God and I love people. So we've got to turn from being externally motivated to be internally driven. See, a champion is internally driven. They're not externally motivated. This world, they'll work harder. If you don't stay up with it, you you will eat their dust. Why? Because they want a bigger house and a bigger car. And they want all this external stuff that motivates them. And Paul said, you should run your race because you have an eternal motivation. You have a prize that's so much greater than anything this world can give. But when you do what you do for the glory of God, you're internally driven. You should be promoted. You should be climbing. You should be exalted. You should be making progress. Why? Because you're enlarging your vision. You're enlarging your attitude. You're developing what God's given you. You're doing what God has put in front of you to do. And you're doing it all for the glory of God. Internally driven. A champion feels like it whenever they're in the gym. That they, they go to the gym when they feel like it, and they go to the gym when they don't feel like it. A champion comes to church when they feel like it, and they come to church when they don't feel like it. A champion does what they need to do when they feel like it and when they don't feel like it. You've heard the saying before, there's two times to praise God, when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. That's internally driven. Why am I going to keep showing up? Because I love God and I love people. Why am I going to keep showing up? Because I know that I need God with all of my heart. I love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Church, do not settle. Second thing, think of what a child does. Paul says, okay, we're making a separation. Say, I'm making a separation. Say, I'm not settling. And Paul says, the second thing, if you'll notice, a child, they give up at the first sign of resistance. Out there, they're calling up the water hose. There's a kink in it. You go out there, and the water hose is still laid down. Why? Because the kink ticked them off, and they got frustrated. They just left it the way it was. Or they're making their bed, and the sheets are still all messed up underneath. Or they get frustrated, they just throw the top cover over. Why? Because there was resistance, so they just said, the heck with it. But see, there comes a time, Paul says, that you've got to be internally driven. That even whenever there's resistance, I'm going to keep doing what's right. I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it because it's right. I'm internally driven. I love God and I love people. See, a champion begins when they face adversity, they start eating it for breakfast. They start realizing that the problem is not the problem. The problem is how I see the problem. And in the, in the stages of growth, see, your present will stay permanent until you face problems correctly. See, you've got to learn to use the problem. Think of David and Goliath. David, the nation of Israel, their present was permanent until he faced the problem correctly. That problem looked like Goliath. And when David took down Goliath, there was promotion that came because he approached the problem correctly. That problem looked like Pharaoh to Moses. And they stayed in bondage until Moses faced the problem correctly. And then there was promotion. Gideon had a problem. And it was a poor self-image. But the problem uh, didn't stop him because he approached it correctly. And he allowed the problem to promote him to be a leader, to be a warrior, to be a champion. And that's what God is saying to us, church. That you'll stay where you're at. See, your past wants to hold you where you are and to keep you from who God has called and created you to be. It wants to contain you. It wants to limit you. But you've got to make the decision, I'm not going to settle. You know, it, it reminds me of the story of the, this, there was a bear and they had him in a, 
like a, a 12 foot long cage and it was 6 feet deep right here and this bear grew up and he would just walk back and forth from a, from a little cub and he would just pace back and forth and he would go to the circuses and, and they would throw cigarette buds at him and everything and they'd watch him burn the pads of his feet because he'd put out the cigarettes but he was just conditioned and he was trained to come back and forth until somebody had compassion upon the bear and so they made arrangements to move him to the zoo and so now in the zoo, there's waterfalls, and there's trees, and there's vegetation, and there's streams, and there's fish. And so they open up the cage. They, they drop the cage down in there. They open up the cage, but the bear still didn't leave, even though the cage door was open. And he just kept passing back and forth, back and forth. Why? Because he was conditioned. He was conditioned. So finally, they hot-shotted him and got him outside of the cage. But still, what did he do? He passed back and forth. Even though he had all this to eat, even though he had all this freedom, it's just like us in the church. We're saved. Jesus came to redeem us. He bought us to set us free. But we're conditioned to walk back and forth because of what mom said about me, because of what dad said about me, that I grew up in this condition of addiction. I grew up in this condition of a victim mentality. And I, I grew up thinking about what I didn't have instead of realizing what I did have. So you're saved and you're set free but you're still pacing back and forth in addiction you're still pacing back and forth in a victim mentality you're still staying the way you used to be because you're conditioned in your thinking to see yourself the way that you've always seen yourself and Paul's saying there has to come a time that you don't settle any longer for the way things were there has to come a time when you get fed up with being sick and tired and broke and defeated. There has to come a time when you realize that God has more for you. And you get quiet long enough and this is what you're hearing. Don't you settle. Don't you settle. Go back with me to Isaiah 54. Say, I'm not settling. That's what I'm talking about. Isaiah 54. I want to read it again, verses 2 through 4. It says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. One translation says, Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Notice this. Do not fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, God did not give us a spirit of fear. So if God didn't give us a spirit of fear, I don't want it. How about you? God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Verse 4, it says, do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Now, he's talking to the person who's made a decision to expand, to enlarge, to lengthen, to strengthen. Do not fear, for you'll not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. Notice he says it twice right there. You will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. Now, why would he tell us not to fear? Because he knows that whenever you start to lift your game, you start to do things that nobody else has done in your family, when you start to start that new business, when you start to step out of the boat, when you start to expand your attitude, that you're going to have the opportunity to be afraid. So he says, whenever you face the fear, don't you be afraid. 365 times throughout the Bible it says, don't fear, don't you be afraid. Fear not, thou shalt not fear. Why? Letting us know that every day as you move forward, you're going to have the opportunity to be afraid. But whenever you open the door and fear is there, you open the door in faith, pushing fear out. 
So whenever he says, now as you expand and as you enlarge and as you begin to develop that gift and that talent and you begin to step out and do things, he says, do not fear. Why? Because the what ifs are going to come. And what do you do when the what ifs show up? What if you run out of money? What if the business fails? What if that relationship goes south? What if you, you fall flat on your face? See, with every opportunity to succeed, there's an equal opportunity to fail. Are you with me? With every opportunity... To succeed, there's an opportunity to fail. See, faith is not the elimination of a risk. You don't eliminate risk whenever you step out in faith. It's what you do when you step out that determines whether you see the manifestation or you don't see the manifestation. So he says, as you expand and enlarge, strengthen and lease, and you begin to lift your vision and your attitude, your gifts, your talents, your vision... He says, when what if starts to come to you, you respond just like Jesus did with it is written. What if you get cancer like your dad got cancer? Well, it is written in the word of God that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus and I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. Jesus Christ be made a curse for me. What if? Respond with it is written. What if you run out of money? Well, it is written that my God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. Well, what if? What if? What if? What if? What What if? What if? Everybody comes against you. Well, it is written that if God is for me, who can be against me? It is written that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. It is written that a thousand may fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. What if it is written? Because see, what if, you, whenever you face the what ifs, you remove the question mark and you put a period. It is written. This is the outcome. This is the destination. This is what will happen. I don't care what it looks like out here. It is written, so it shall be. What if you're saying, oh, man. And see, you got to get past the, oh, To like Romans chapter 4, verses 20 through 22, where Paul said, Abraham got to the point where he was fully persuaded. He became so strong in faith that he is fully persuaded. I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know what it looks like, but I know this is what God said, and this is what's going to happen. I don't know how God is going to do it. That isn't my job, to, to how God's going to do it. My job is to trust Him. My God is to believe in Him. My God is to do what He tells me to do. My, God is to respond. my job is to respond with the Word of God. My job is to position myself on a daily basis to keep my thinking right, my believing right, my speaking right, and my attitude of faith right. What if? What if? And he's saying, don't you hold back. When what if comes creeping at your door, he's saying, don't you hold back. Don't you hold back in your thinking. Don't you hold back in your believing. Don't you hold back in your speaking. Don't you hold back with that gift. Don't you hold back with that talent. Don't you hold back in your family. Don't be the person, your family, that holds back. Leave it all on the court. How many of you heard of Michael Jordan before? Great basketball player, Michael Jordan. Everybody wants his lifestyle, but nobody was willing to do what he did to get the results that he had. In pressure situations, statistically, he was the most accurate player of all times. So they wanted him to get the ball when the pressure was on. Number two reason they wanted him to get the ball is because he wanted the ball. The reason he had the best results because he wanted the ball. 
You've got to be in the church. Hey, shout. I, I want the ball. I want to make God famous. I want to shoot that three-pointer. I want to walk on water. I want to speak to the mountain and it be removed. I want everything that God has called and created me to have and to walk in and to be and to do. Shout for the ball when the pressure's on. Hey, hey, I want the ball. I want to lift up the name of Jesus. I want to see great and mighty things. I want to see miracles. I want to see the Bible become alive in today's church, not just be a good storybook. Where are the people in the church that saying, I'm not settling? I'm not settling. Yeah, I might have prayed and it didn't happen, but you can be guaranteed of this. It wasn't God's fault that it didn't happen. I want the ball. I want the ball. God wants you to be shouting. I want the ball. I'm willing to pray for my family. I'm willing to do what nobody else is willing to do. I don't care. I'm I'm willing to put my life on the line. I I want the ball. The three seconds of getting down to the final shot clock in your business and the people around you. And God is wanting to use you to reach them. And he's just wanting you to shout, hey, hey, I, I want the ball. Give me a chance to share Jesus with them. Church, don't settle. Don't hold back. What is that vision that God has for your life? What is that dream that God has for your life? What are those gifts and those talents? See, because lifting your game is a lifetime commitment. Remember in Matthew chapter 25 and he talks about the talents. One had five, one had two, one had one. And the one with five, he he brought the, the five to the master and he says, See, I've taken the five that you've given me and you've increased. And the other one with two came to the master and says, I've given you, you gave me two and I'm bringing your two back. And he, and he increased it. And the one that had one, he brought the one back and he says, I was afraid that you would reap where you hadn't sowed. And so I didn't do anything with what I had. And notice the Lord didn't say, Well, <laughs> bless the Lord, I understand. I know. Willie, he just picked on you all the time. I don't blame you. I wouldn't have done anything either. I know. I know, Gertrude. I, she, I heard her say that about you. And oh, I understand. You just stay right where you're at. That was just so hard. Now, I'm not belittling anything you've ever gone through. Because every person in here, you've gone through something. But the truth is, when it comes down to it, You have more in you than what you realize. And God is saying to the church, yeah, I understand you've gone. Jesus has moved with the feelings of our infirmities. The reason he's moved is to move you, to get up off your backside and be who God has called and created you to be. Yes, it hurt, but let it go and move forward. Yes, it was hard, but use the problem to bring promotion. Yes, it was hard, but keep stepping, keep going, keep developing, keep increasing, keep enlarging. There's more in you than what you got right now. Church, let's don't settle. Let's don't settle. Say, I'm not settling. Bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to think about where you're at in life. I want you to think about your gifts and your talents and your dreams. I want you to think about that business. I want you to think about your marriage. I want you to think about your kids. I want you to think about just you, just you right now. Where have you settled Where have you settled? You know there's more in you. Yeah, it's been tough. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And God is encouraging you this morning. Don't you settle. 
You pick your head up. You dig down. You make that decision. You're going to quit thinking like a child and acting like a child and behaving like a child. And you're going to mature and you're going to grow and you're going to develop. And you're going to be who God has called and created you to be. That decision. Please hear this. The one who holds the decision for your life controls your destiny. And you are that person who holds the decision for your life. God can't make you do anything. If He could make you do anything, He'd make you get saved. But it's your decision. Say, it's my decision. 